In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ had performed a great miracle. A miracle so great, it is recorded for us in three Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The healing of a paralytic. The man had likely been in this condition for quite some time. The man was, he was helpless, unable to move. The man had suffered great pains. As we learn from another gospel, his friends had lowered, it, lowered him in by a rope. When his friends lower him in by a rope through the roof into a room where Jesus was, what is it that Jesus does for him? It would have been just a great deed alone if Jesus had just put his disease in check so that this man could gradually gain strength to use his limbs again. But Jesus does more. On the one hand, complete elimination of the disease. And when he does that at the same time, Jesus gives strength and vigor to the man's body that had been worn out by paralysis. Jesus says, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And as soon as those words were spoken, he rose and went home. An astounding miracle. Jesus is the true God. With Jesus, nothing is impossible. The miracle of healing the paralytic, it's not even the greatest thing in our gospel today. Jesus has done something far greater. Before the physical healing, Jesus said this. Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. This healing in forgiveness works just like Jesus' healing of paralysis. In other words, as soon as the words were spoken, this man's sins were actually forgiven. That's the purpose of today's gospel. Hey, you have to ask yourself, though, uh, which of these works of Jesus is greater? Which of these two miracles, which of these is greater for your good? Jesus says, for which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? The answer involved in this question is this. The forgiveness of sins is greater than the miracle of physical healing. Our topic then today has to be absolution, the power to forgive sins. What is absolution? The Bible tells us in the gospel. When Jesus said to a very sick man, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus pronounced absolution. Absolution is a declaration of God. 
absolution carries with it the highest authority that the sins are forgiven. And because Jesus made such, a, such an authoritative declaration to this man that his sins were forgiven, scribes were shocked. They said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. Luke also tells us that they said, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Is this not our trouble? Only God can forgive sins. Do we doubt the authority of Jesus? Probably not. The Son of Man has authority. But do his called men have authority? When you hear absolution from any pastor, yeah, but pastor, he's not God. God alone forgives sins. Yet, a pastor has been commanded to make the declaration of absolution of God in Jesus Christ. That's what absolution is. Not man's forgiveness, but God's forgiveness. Declared unto men, declared unto women, and declared unto children. And it is declared unto you, unto all of you, with authority, with power. And therefore, your sins really are forgiven. Now, it is a declaration of power and authority, not because I say it louder, but because the words themselves carry the power. The words themselves carry authority. Absolution is absolute. Absolution forgives sins. But it is also good to understand that absolution does not undo the sin. The sin itself remains an act which was done as in sins that we commit, and Or the sin itself remains an act which was left undone. These are the good works that we do not do. But when God absolves the sinner, he turns his face away from the crime. Turning away as to never see them again. Though they still are in existence, your sins are cast into the depths of the sea. And God, thanks be to God, he does not deal with your criminality according to your sins. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So we must remember two things. Our sins, they stand as acts that have been performed. But as soon as we have received absolution, 
these acts can no longer stand as accusations against us. They are forgiven. There's a lot of people that have the wrong notion in the world. They think that uh, when God declares absolution, when God forgives sins, he shows mercy and allows sin to go unpunished, as though he did not care, as though he has waived his right to punish. God never forgives sin at the expense of his very own justice, at the expense of his very own perfect, perfect holiness. God is so perfectly holy that indeed he cannot let a single sin go unpunished. So God punished your transgressions upon his beloved son, Jesus Christ. It is only for Christ's sake that God shows mercy. It is by Christ alone that God forgives sins. Without Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, there is absolutely no forgiveness. But when you believe in the Savior, who has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, who was pierced for our transgressions, who was crushed for our iniquities, only then can you expect absolution, forgiveness of your sins. How did our Lord and Savior come to the point to declare absolution on the paralytic? We are expressly told that this was done when Jesus saw their faith. If this man did not have faith, he would have never heard these words, let alone take them to heart. And we are left to distinguish the forgiveness of sins and the consequences of sin in this world. When God forgives a sin, it does not always mean that he stops its consequences. You'll note in our gospel that the forgiveness of Jesus Christ did not remove the man's paralysis. This was done by a separate, distinct act. Lots of examples in our world. For example, a drug addict who has ruined their health beyond repair may come to repentance and obtain full, perfect forgiveness but that forgiveness does not restore their health. Consequences. Consequences of sinful acts in this world remain on the shoulders of the transgressor. Forgiveness does not alter worldly consequences, but by the consolation of the heart through forgiveness, by the consolation of your mind through forgiveness, forgiveness can transform consequences into blessings. This is how his will is done. Absolution is absolute because it is God's forgiveness. And absolution conveys to your conscience the conviction of forgiveness. You're convinced Absolution frees you. Absolution comforts you. It also strengthens you. Now this power 
The power of absolution and the forgiveness of sins, it still exists today, as it did then. Not just in the days of our gospel, which I think any Christian would admit. Any Christian would say that absolution coming from the very lips of Jesus Christ is true forgiveness of sins. For Jesus is God. And Jesus speaking on earth is the same as God speaking in heaven. But these two are actually different. Christ forgiving the paralytic on earth is forgiveness by God himself. But absolution is the declaration of forgiveness by mankind. We find the connection in our gospel. Jesus healed the paralytic so that the witnesses may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. From this, we proceed a step further. Jesus Christ has delegated to his bride the same power which he had exercised himself. It is just as he said to the apostles, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. The delegation of authority is not just for apostles. It's not just for pastors. I'd like to show you how in the example of St. Paul. St. Paul, an apostle, says in 2 Corinthians, anyone whom you forgive I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. What's going on here is that Paul, an apostle, absolves a man who was previously required to be excommunicated, but now is absolved. So upon what power does Paul now base his absolution? Not a mysterious apostolic power, but it's as he says, anyone whom you forgive, I forgive. Paul absolved the man because the congregation absolved him. The power of absolution, therefore, belongs to the church. It is a power that belongs to all Christians. A priestly power indeed in the priesthood of all believing Christians. And in our gospel, the expression of Jesus is, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Make note of that expression. Christ as Son of Man. The forgiveness of sins, because, well, it's not only in reference to his divine nature, but with regard to his human nature. Christ, in other words, asserts his humanity in the forgiveness of sins. We therefore cannot deny that this power of absolution still exists. For Christ's humanity has not been eliminated. Christ's humanity is risen indeed. Christ's humanity is exalted. And... Well, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Our absolver lives 
and his power remains fully intact. So, should we, like the scribes in our text, consider it to be blasphemy when one Christian says to another, I forgive you your sins? Our answer is in the final verse. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. Men, plural. Unto men God has given such authority. An authority that pertains to the entire human race in this world. The authority of absolution is to be pronounced in our days just as it was done in the days of St. Paul. Now, in the public fellowship of the believers, the authority of absolution is handed to the pastor. But in the privacy of your day-to-day life, it's yours. Dear Lutherans, some people object to our practice of absolution as if it appeared too Catholic. Do not be disturbed by this. Take heart. There is a great difference. For, well, first of all, the Lord called me through you. For a Lutheran pastor, a Lutheran pastor is nothing but the selected voice of the church. A called man, called by, by, by the Lord through you, that proclaims forgiveness in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in our divine service, when the pastor, himself a sinner, when the pastor says to the congregation, I forgive you your sins, he declares a divine fact. He does not create it. I am no sort of forgiveness magician. And by the words of absolution, I also cannot forgive whom God has not forgiven. Instead, I declare in public what every Christian has a right to declare. And for the sake of good order in the congregation of saints, this is done by a called minister. Just as the pastor does not absolve sins in his own name, but in the name of the triune God. And therein lies the source of all forgiveness. Therein lies the source of all power to forgive that friend, that loved one. The power of forgiveness lies within the price paid. Holy and precious lifeblood shed on the cross. Life given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. The power of forgiveness in the body of Christ that rests in your belly. The power of forgiveness in the blood of Christ that courses through your veins and pumps through your heart. So anytime that we hear the blessed words of absolution, those words of, I forgive you all your sins, let us not doubt, but firmly believe 
that this is as valid and certain in heaven also, just as if Christ, our dear Lord, dealt with us himself. Then we shall have the true benefit of this comforting absolution. And like the crowds in our gospel, may we glorify God who has given such authority to men. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.